Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. You just want to roll it in. We were talking about your watch. We're back on the watch again. Yeah, so I was just explaining to Father Mike the... Um, but the band can be too fat. Like, I got little wrists. That's, I'm sorry. That's, I, I'm not... Well, I shouldn't apologize too too much because I... Yeah, so I said, just give me that little watch, the little Timex. These are the Iron Man watches, a very expensive Target watch we're talking about uh-huh. here. Yeah. Not a power watch. But, uh, yeah, not, then yeah, Carrie, Carrie you're Pearsall... You're not taking that to Wall Street. Carrie Pearsall swapped me out. We were sitting out having a drink back in Denver, and uh, right before I left, he said, swap me out. I'm going to give you this as a man's watch. You're wearing a woman's watch. He said, Father Dave Nix did the same thing. And I was like, what? So he's building a collection of women's watches. He's got a collection Carrie. of women's watches, Carrie. And we won't ask any questions, so... Oh hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, here we are. Um, we we're trying the rolling intro instead of the <laughs> formal, so we're just bringing you I, into the conversation. I was just trying to, yeah, I I like to like make Father John uncomfortable a little bit, just a, a little bit, yeah, <laughs> all the time. But you know me well enough to know I'm just egocentric enough. If you ask me questions about myself or my watch, I will talk gladly talk about it. So, well, here we are in Rome again, round two tonight. And uh, Father Mike and Father John here, and this is like, it's so crazy, man. This is like podcast number 270 or 280, something like that. And I, I, going back and remixing all of these, you know, and putting them back out, oh, I'm just yeah, realizing right. how many, there's a lot of these things. I'm like, whoa, crazy. Yeah. And I met this great seminarian from Atlanta. I had met him once before. Avery, have you met this guy? He's in that guy. He's been listening since the beginning, since he, uh, and I was like, hey, that's cool. You very rarely meet people who... Said I've been listening to you for seven years. I I feel put on the spot, but I met a good guy, Harvey, the other day who was uh, I didn't get along with entirely right away. <laughs> Shout out Harvey, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he seemed to have listened to the podcast. Too. Maybe we should do that for lunch. Just shout out people we don't get along with. <laughs> <laughs> I think we made up for it. We reconciled. It's a rough thing. It so, was a so weird. The lunch. Seminarians live up on the hill and they come down here for lunch, and all of us casa priests are. Just weirdos, and we've been locked in the library for five hours, and you try and have a normal conversation with one of us. It's it can be rather painful, I'm sure. So uh, we're, we appreciate there. Yeah, and then you like just suspect weird things, like this guy disagrees with me about the interpretation of four Q five twenty one, doesn't he? Doesn't he? I bet he does. And this guy, <laughs> this guy has not thought about that in his he's lifetime. Not, yeah, he's not thinking about four Q five twenty one. Yeah. Well, I um, I have to say, you know, we were just talking upstairs about um. We're on kind of a Scandinavian kick right now, you know. I guess oh, yeah. you always have been because you are Swedish. Well, but, I'd uh, like to. We're I'd going. Like to we're going. Pay more to, attention to it. But. We're going to Sweden this weekend, and uh, we're going to see Gregor Allen Isakov, which is very exciting. And we're going to kind of begin the celebration of your birthday here in a few weeks. Thirty-four. Yeah. Thirty-four years Woo! old. Crazy. Getting At least older. And then Gobel in April, and then I'm the, the last. Untimely born. Yeah, this is kind of and a Olaf's an old man. He's, he's like I've 50, been wanting to get back to Sweden. So. Well, back to Sweden. I've never been there. Yeah, uh, I, just my roots, my blood. It, nobody really goes to Sweden in March, but uh, we're going, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. Isakov's going. I looked up the top 20 things to do in Sweden. They're all in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to do in the winter. Yep, that, I, that's probably what it's going to be like. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of that. Well, you'll be happy to know, because you're kind of a museum guy, and you like random crap. Um, so True and there, true. We went to the Viking Museum in Dublin together, which was kind of like a 
kids museum. <laughs> we didn't know that. That was yeah. But um, surprise. But I found out today from a guy there's an ABBA museum in Stockholm. I thought you'd be interested in that. The band. Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean I I do celebrate all things Swedish except except maybe ABBA. Except ABBA. I know okay. people love this stuff. They made like a Broadway show and everything. Well, there's also a museum um, I've just never of been this into them. ship that sunk, the famous Vara. Oh, I should know the name of this thing. They, this was like going to be their great ship, 1840s or whatever, or 1640s, whatever. And um, the thing sunk within 30 minutes, and they, they didn't talk about it for centuries, classic Scandinavians. And then uh, they <laughs> dug the thing up and built the museum. So I heard it's kind of cool, the Vala or Vara or something uh, museum. So we'll have to look for that. All right. This I mean, novel. I betray my ignorance. I have no idea. I, I yeah, and I'm I'm loving it because I'm I'm reading all the books that Father Mike read when he was in middle school, such as uh, Kristen Lovren's Daughter by Sigrid Unstedt, which is a wonderful story of the 14th century Norway. So yeah, and a girl a girl's life and uh, beautiful story. Oh man, it's good. Life and grace and humanity, redemption. It's long though. It's like a thousand pages. So yeah, three vo- uh, three volumes. It's like yep. a trilogy. It's like a trilogy. So I guess you could read the first one's like three hundred pages. And but, great, uh, great work of highly literature. recommended. Yeah, thus far I'm loving it. And um, so don't tell me, don't spoil anything. Yeah, I can't. We can't. I, we can't talk about it much. I know it's kind of hard for you because I tell you every day what I'm doing. And so my dad did that when we were kids. He read this book, Pillars of the Earth, by Ken Follett. This is another one of these You've medieval. Told me about pillars. And of he the every earth. night he would yell out from the balcony, "Pillars of the Earth!" And we'd come running upstairs, <laughs> and it was time for him to tell us the story of uh, what what he had read that day, Pillars of the Earth. Oh, it's so good. So I've never actually read Pillars See, of the that's Earth. That's culture, I've heard there's man. Some, that's there's some, culture. I love it. I think there's some dicey sections that he kind of uh, omitted. Thank you, Father, for preserving that. Uh, but uh, that was that was the pillars of. It's gonna be my, it's like I wouldn't read it if I were you. It'd be kind of a letdown, and then you know. I could yell that to you every night, Kristen Lovren's daughter, Lovren. and you come running. No, maybe not. I would probably lock my door, <laughs> fall asleep. Yeah. So, anyways, no, you're a very good story. Scandinavian uh, lore and culture to come. Very excited. And uh, happy birthday um, in advance here. Because yeah, by the time you. this comes out, it'll be after your, your birthday. 16th of March, I forget. 16th of March, okay. day after the Ides. I don't really know how to celebrate birthdays. Mm. I've never really been good at that. You remember last year, we went to the Chinese restaurant? Yeah, I remember They said, that. oh, we pick anything in Italy that you want. We'll do anything. We'll do anything. And I wanted to go to the Chinese restaurant. I hadn't been there for a while. Yep. And then these guys were eating it like, oh, no, what have we... Well, we have excellent Chinese food in Denver, and we have a lot of options. And here you just don't have a lot of options. No. But the cool thing is they have a turtle in the aquarium. I know. Did you see that? (laughs) Did you see the turtle? We got to go back. Your birthday's coming up. We'll go back. Well, that's what I... You'll find some weirder place, I'm sure, that we can go and have kind of mediocre food, but... No offense to I miss the local Chinese. They're very nice people next door. Yeah, there, they're so. great people. And it's it's decently good food. I like it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody does. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, great dog. I mean, it's some of the best I've had in a while, but, uh, you know. The turtle in the aquarium, dude. <laughs> it's all it's moving It's the little around. things, right? It's the small things. The turtle. Okay, so we've done 275 podcasts. Yeah. Something like that. We should do this as many. We're gonna do as many podcasts as there all de- as there are Dead Sea Scrolls, and then we'll call it. Are you trying to give me a lead in? How's that? Because you missed it. Dang it! I I led you astray. Oh, actually, um, one of the earliest podcasts was um, 
Ash Wednesday yep. with Ashes. I have no idea what we said on that <laughs> thing or who was leading it or what. It was probably about like, I don't know, from dust you came to dust you shall return or something. I have no idea. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, we were just we little pups. We little pups. Yeah. I didn't have this great facial hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. It's I gone. wish it was still there. This this facial was hair was so out. good, it made everyone uncomfortable. It questions everyone's manhood. <laughs> when they just, guys, he had to shave it because it just... I had to shave it. Everybody it felt insecure. the world. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's alas. I like the mustache growing over the mouth, though. That's a nice... That was a nice touch. You it know, it would get out of control. And then it was kind of handlebarish. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I was trying stuff. Had yeah, a touch the, of the, the, the touch of, of the chia the chia pet look on the bottom. Not, <laughs> but, you not know. really a public person. Yeah, I was just teaching my class. All right, so it's not about that. No, so no Dead Sea Scrolls. It's not about Dead Sea Scrolls no, or, or about beer. It's uh, kind of revisiting this Lenten theme with the Ash Wednesday because I had a conversation the other day at table with, uh, with a number of priests here. Okay. Um, no, that was a different conversation. Uh, but just about Ash, Ash Wednesday, and there was a kind of a, a regular refrain that came up about how um, what is what is the deal with all of these Catholics that would just show up only for Ash Wednesday? Uh, yeah, and they come out of the woodworks, yeah, and here they are on Ash Wednesday. For some reason, they really like this thing, and a lot of Catholics will complain about. The, you know, uh, the church being hard about sin and Catholic guilt and uh, feeling sorry for ourselves and all these kinds of, I don't know, suffering, talking about suffering too much. What, But everybody comes for one of the most depressing, I think, yeah. um, celebrations yeah. in, our, in our whole liturgical year, which is remember that you're a sinner and that re- remember that you're going to die. You're going to die, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It is curious. It's like, ve- and, why and are people, people into it? And people come out of the woodwork for yeah. Ash Wednesday. It's like Everybody how did you comes. know? How did you know it was Ash Wednesday? You know? Yeah, and uh, and you, yeah, and they want to make a public because you're going to make a public statement now. You're going to walk and go to work or school or whatever. And you're going to wear ashes. It's crazy. Yeah, ashes all over the place. I don't. Yeah, it, it is very curious. But the thought that came to my mind was that. There are a lot of people who would like to be doing this religious thing who don't do it hmm. or feel like they can't do it or there's some something impeding it. But they always feel like this time of year, they're, they're going to give it another go or they're going to acknowledge that they're not doing it right or whatever it is. You know, they're going to show up, right, and acknowledge that their life isn't what they want it to be and hope for something better. Yeah, but they're going to leave after they get ashes. That's the other thing. Well, I know. Well, that's, that's the why hard, it came up the, at that's the most frustrating. That's why it came part. up at lunch with the, with the priests complain about you know they're never never going to come to mass during Lent, and um, you know you end up having to give the same homily every time where you're trying to conceal the fact that you really just want to get the point across that everybody needs to come to church every right, Sunday. Right. Why are you just here for this day? All this stuff, you know. So fine. There's all that. But I really do think there is something like um, that people are recognizing. I, I mean, I know, I know uh, non-Catholics who come to get to the, to the Catholic Mass, or they were once Catholic or whatever it is, uh, just to get the ashes mm. and to be there for that day, to hear the readings, to hear the, you know, the preaching, all this stuff. 
Okay, so my thought is, I don't know exactly what's going through everybody's head, but if there are people who feel like they struggle with faith, if they feel like they struggle with religion, I want to talk about uh, faith and give three images Mm. for faith that I've uh, recently considered and find compelling. There we go. Yeah? Yeah, let's do it. What do you think? Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday, part two. So this might be a good reflection. I, I, I hope that it'll be helpful to Catholics who are uh, practicing and who are making Lent right now, uh, but also kind of an appeal um, in recognition to those people who are um, not as practicing for whatever reason or are struggling with, uh, with faith. Okay? Yeah, I like it. So if, if it doesn't reach you because, you know, you're, you're strong in faith, then um, maybe this this one is uh, directed at your your other friends that uh, but you I should hope be it, praying for. I hope it does affect them though, because you know I was I was talking to Molly Rogan about this actually today, and um, because it's it's it affects people in the pews, you know, who are faithful daily mass goers or Sunday mass goers, whatever it is, you know, when they see this kind of massive thing come out, and uh, so I think it's good even if we're faithful Catholics, and, and hear a priest's perspective also on this, because we're trying to kind of walk that fine line between, you know, challenging and, and really going for deepening faith and getting that personal relationship as a daily practice, but also not running people out, because they're showing up, they're coming, you know, so yeah, it's a hard, hard balance, so. Make the appeal, try to have some sympathy, what we can. So the first image comes from my friend uh, Dorothy Day. Okay. So one of the Lenten practices I'm doing is r- reading some new books. Um, and one of them, at the beginning, is some reflections that Dorothy Day um, gave. She's, I think most of you have heard the name. Um, she was uh, like a, a, a very, she, she led a very radical life of service to the poor on uh, the East Coast in um, really just like the last generation mm-hmm. and um, is, I think, a very impressive Christian life. Um, but she had some beautiful reflections on faith, and I'm reading a book. She's often praised for her social work and not really for her spiritual life or recognized for that. So this book is particularly attentive to her prayer life and her reflections on, on religion and her, and her kind of nice. pious life. Um, but it opens up with her mentioning um, she she was one of these very conflicted figures who um, who was always kind of fighting the system. She's a very rebellious kind of person and everything, and she was struggling with all kinds of problems with social injustice and her own depression and like um, problems in the church and all these things. But when it came to her reflections on faith, it was very simple. So this is the this is the uh, the kind of metaphor that led her to asking for baptism, which she did as kind of like a uh, mid twenties. Where was she from originally? I don't know a lot about okay. the bio. Okay, I don't. I don't. Sorry. Either. Sorry to put you on the spot. I I introduce it as if I know her bio real well. I'll find it. I'll, you're com- talking. I'll come back with that. Okay, so she says uh, that when she was young one of her friends made a, uh, a radio for her. And it, it was made out of all of these very simple parts, like a little electric wire, a little crystal, um, this kind of box contraption. 
And with these little pieces, her friend managed to get uh, the voices of commentators talking about politics of the day, announcing the great issues at hand, and uh, music, like this uh, great symphonic music that was coming through this little box. And she had no idea how this works, but she just enjoyed it and loved it and was impressed by it. And she says because of that experience, when she was first um, introduced to the questions of faith and of God and, um, and the truths of faith, it was very easy for her to acknowledge with faith that this stuff is possible and that it's real and um, that she can believe it. Because she had seen this, this thing that she could not understand. She did not understand at all the science of how this radio, this very primitive radio works. And, uh, and marveled at the, f- at the fact that this friend could just put it together that way. Mm. And then somehow they're hearing voices from way out somewhere else. And it just, it, it was amazing. And so uh, this whole idea of God and Jesus and um, God speaking to us, being present to us, the saints, the church, the sacraments, everything was a pretty easy ascent for her. Um, because of this kind of um, entree, I guess, it's this kind of this gate that she came through um, with uh, the analogy of the radio. So I like this as like a concept of the, the piece of faith that is the intellectual ascent, to be able to agree that this stuff is possible and that it can be real and be beautiful and affect my life, even though I don't understand it. So the radio is the ascent of faith. Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to have to distinguish between like exactly what is faith and what does it look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think preliminarily it's, it's an ascent, uh, an intellectual ascent. It's, it's saying I, I agree with that proposition. Mm-hmm. No? Okay, we'll, uh, we'll kind of move toward um, faith as trust in a person and trust in, uh, in providence. Um, but kind of pre- preliminarily, preliminarily this, this image of the radio works best, I think, with the uh, uh, intellectual ascent. Hmm. Oh? She was born in Brooklyn, by the way. Okay. 1897. 1897. And died in 1980 in New York. Post-Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. a lot of poverty, mm-hmm. Great Depression. Lived I think that's depression, yeah. where she really like was convicted about yeah. serving the poor. Mm. Interesting. And and then also came to know Catholic social teaching. Things like this. Well, it's interesting you did, that Dorothy Day would focus on that because the faith is, Aquinas talks about faith as an intellectual ascent. It is the virtue of uh, the intellect. It's when grace affects and transforms the mind. Um, but it's interesting that Dorothy Day would focus on the intellectual dimension of faith. Yeah. That's cool. And I think something so simple and childlike, mm-hmm. and I think that's... My suspicion is that these people in the pews have had something like that mm-hmm. at some point in their life. That w- probably when they were young, they had a sense that this is all very real. And it's important that way, you know? And there's something deep down that keeps calling them back. And uh, they want to recognize that even though they don't know how to, like, live in that mode and stir that up. Mm. Or they have some limitations, whatever it is. I don't know exactly. Mm. You know, um, I'm kind of like honest, just to be honest, I, I'm more like Dorothy Day was like, it's been easy for me to make that ascent for a long time. I certainly have doubts and struggles and all kinds of issues, 
but um, there's something very deep that says I can trust this. Yeah, there's and, lots of things I don't understand. And also nonconformist and punk. Yeah, which is an interesting pair if you think about it. You know, if you're punk and you're a person of deep trust, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. Usually you want to stick it to the man. But the whole question authority. But the whole and I don't want to go on this tangent. I want to let you talk here. But the whole, the whole intellect, the human mind works on trust, right? Um, I've never been to Sweden. We're going to Sweden this weekend. Um, why do I believe that Sweden exists, right? Why why don't I just doubt? Skepticism is is not the way that the human is constructed to operate. Mm. You would never do anything. You're always building and operating on trust. But faith is when that trust moves beyond what one could know. It's it's the gift that allows mm. one to kind of see beyond that. But but I think it's important to just recognize that faith is not um, contrary to reason. It's not contrary to the to the way that the human mind is structured. But in fact, the whole mind and any intellectual work is determined by this baseline trust in the credibility of the witness. You know, so yeah. it's always a relationship. But this is a whole other topic. So no, I think that's. I mean, it's a good segue because. Um, I, w- I did want to make the point of saying this kind of simple faith, I think, suffices, and it does suffice for some people, and it can make for great saints. But for a lot of us, you learn about other things, you, you, your kind of mind opens up, you entertain other possibilities, and then there's a challenge to that faith. And you start to wonder, like, you know, is this real, or is the whole Jesus idea like my imaginary friend? You know, mm-hmm. or is this Santa Claus mm-hmm. where somebody told me this is true and I believed it mm-hmm. because it's nice to believe and they wanted me to, but is it really real? Yeah. So then what do you do? So I think we move from this position, um, or we could, of c- coming from like a place of wonder and, and, and um, of, uh, fascination with the unknown. Um, a Christian says at Mass, all of us Catholics say, I believe in the visible and the invisible, you know? So there's a lot that we can't really verify so easily, you know? Um, and that's going to that's gonna remain an important part of the Christian life. But if you get uncomfortable with that and you say, well, I just don't know if it's true anymore, um, there's a lot of people in that boat, you mm. know, where they're struggling with faith. Um, they felt like they maybe had it or they think they knew something, and then uh, the the foundations get kind of um, pulled out from mm-hmm, under them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next image. Mm. The next is this image. a different person? Or just... Is well, no, this is not Dorothy Day anymore. Okay. Dorothy Day was the radio. Okay, I just gotcha. like the radio. I, uh, there will be more to come because images. There's, there's more of the book. Okay. But these are just different images. So I, I offer this one. Being in love, okay... What is the experience of being in love? What is the experience of being in love? What's it like? Is it real? There's a lot of people who ask that question. Hmm. Can you really be in love? You know who asks that question? People who think they've never been in love. Hmm. The people who have been in love, they know that it's real. They know that it's real. Interesting. And how will they express it to you? If you ask them, oh, describe what it is to be in love so I can know that it's definitely true. I can can be. There's no way that you can express describe being in love that will absolutely affirm it for me. It's an experience that you've either had or you haven't had. Right. And the people who have had it say, that's real. And I don't know how to explain it. 
uh, but it's real, mm. you know? I've got um, two siblings who are engaged to be married, and they will tell you that being in love is real and that it's powerful and it's defining their lives in a way that is a deeper reality than a lot of other things in their life. Um, I've got another sister who's going to be proposed to tomorrow. Okay, good. So. And this is not live, I hope. No, it's not. You have, this won't come up for a couple um, weeks. But I got a video today from a very in love, love struck. Love struck um, is right. Isaac. Been love struck for a long time. Who he has. I'm very excited too. Tomorrow, um, wow. This he is was exciting. in an airport. This was yesterday with ashes on his head, and, but he has a, a ring in his hand and he says, Father Mike. I really respect you, so I wanted to tell you I'm really excited. I want you to pray for me because I'm going to ask your sister to marry me on Friday. Oh, well, that's so exciting. That's, to- that's tomorrow in Woo. real time here, but hopefully Rose you won't or- hear this, and hopefully Rose will say yes. I think she will. That would be the all-time screw-up of podcast history if we <laughs> yeah, blew we, her we announcement. We have to edit for the first time. No, no, no. This would be great. It'll, it's not. It's, no one's going to hear this for a couple of weeks. So. Oh, but I mean, well, that's I'm the excited. Thing. I'm you thrilled know, for him. You see people in love, and you just know that there's... There's something real about that experience that is really hard to put into words. And um, it's, they don't know, yeah, it's hard to put into words. It's also hard to know how it happened, you know, mm. um, because you have these, um, it just, it just, you know, it just becomes this kind of thing that just, and so, yeah, it's an experience and it's something that's real, but it's not, it's not controllable, it's not quantifiable. And it changes who you are. I think that's the big mm. thing is that, you know, you look at, like you're saying, your siblings. And I've just seen how my siblings have transformed. And I think of especially the my nephews and my niece and the way they've just totally changed their parents. The way my brother plays with his daughter and my sister and brother-in-law. It's just amazing to watch them interact. But they don't even know what they're... They don't, they don't know that they're, they're acting out of this love. You yeah. know, that their will has been so deeply transformed by this other that they desire to make a total gift of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And just a word of advice, I think if if you've had this experience with faith, so we're talking about faith, um, where you know from the insider perspective, I don't know how to explain it to somebody, but I know it's real. I know that I, I, I'm just enamored by this whole thing, that it's so beautiful, that it's so convicting, that it's... Um, it's just more real than other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to put into words. But if you're looking at a friend or you're looking at those other people in the pew who are saying, I want that because I think I, I think it's true. I want it to be true. You know, there's a lot of young people who have dated a lot and they've had good relationships. They've had bad relationships. And they, they think, well, maybe maybe being in love isn't actually possible. I could be, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they all come to me and they say, oh, there's not really, I'm never going to be in whatever. And then all of a sudden somebody comes along and it happens. Yeah. And they they change their tune, but it happens really fast, you know? Right. And I think with these people who haven't had faith, I don't know why. I don't know the timing. I'm not God, but I think it's, it's good to pray for people and to say, Lord, if you know, if it's the right time, give them the gift of faith, you know, make yourself present to them, show them your love, show them the beauty of this whole Christian life and, um, and the Catholic world, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you say to somebody who says, well, I, I want to fall in love, but I just feel like I haven't. And I don't, I don't know how. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's in our control all the time. 
I mean, being in love is not in your control. Yeah. You can't just decide to do it one morning. You ha- the circumstances have to come together. And I think with faith, um, there is a part that says, okay, at some point you have to say, God, give me that gift. Because it is a gift from God. It's a grace. That's what we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a humility in saying, I'm not going to fight. I'm just, I want to ask for this grace. I want to believe. And um, God can do something very powerful with that moment. Um, but there's also like a patience. And I think really from from my perspective, I don't know how that works. Yeah. That happened to me a long, long time ago when yeah. I can't remember. And I didn't do anything to deserve it. Uh, so all I can do is look at people and pray for them, you know, ask God for that grace. Yeah, the um, this is why Balthazar wrote a book, Love Alone is Credible, right, as we know. Um but yeah, I think that parents, your parents did a good job of teaching you how to be open to receive that love. Um, and I think that's where it begins. It's All it is is about openness because love or, or charity, um, the friendship with God is, um, is yeah, like you're saying, it's completely gratuitous. It's, it's something that's totally given. So all that we can do is have that posture of openness and availability, the desire for it. But yeah, if faith looks like this loveless enterprise of moral gymnastics forget it you know yeah yeah so it's interesting so do you think somebody who shows up to get ashes what do you think they that regular person out in the pews there um what what is your thought on that they leave right after they get their ashes um this probably is an experience as a love um but you're just kind of saying i want to propose the faith like this or or what are you or the seeds are there or kind of what do you I wanted. I want to encourage um, patience and sympathy among the people who are there, kind of having done it for a while, and who kind of know what they're getting into. They're they're excited about practicing Lent, like myself. Um, it's just there's this huge amount of people who uh, I don't I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what it exactly is going on in their heads. Um, but I think somehow God has brought them there and they have said yes mm-hmm. and taken a step toward, um, I don't know, the Lord, toward faith, toward the grace that's, that's potentially working in them. So I, I, it's more about that. I don't know if I'm, if I'm talking to you out there and you're in that position, I say, uh, pray for the grace to believe Pray for the grace for God to be a part of your life. Um, make a great Lent. You obviously know what Lent is, and for the next 40 days, you can spend it with God. You know, Invite the Lord in. Uh, practice your faith. If you need to go to confession, you haven't been to confession for a while, go to confession. Go to Mass on, on Sunday. you got to pray, and you have to practice the sacraments in order to develop this spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And maybe God is calling you, you know, come come back into relation with me, develop a friendship with me, and that's how you do it. And to see that the church is, it's the ecclesiologist here always talking about the church, but the church, the soul of the church is love, it's charity. The church is not this um, cold institution, bureaucracy, that's what it looks like, but it's, it's a body and soul, and the body is the, is the humanity, the members, and the soul is this charity that flows from the head of the church, which is Christ, and it just permeates and um, deepens within within the life of the uh, of of the church and within us. And so that's why we become 
ecclesial beings because we take on this this charity, and that's what unites us, and that's what we need to radiate. If we really want to, if we want to stir people's hearts to that, they have to experience a different kind of love in us. Oh yeah. So. Oh, and that's what the church is always um, potentially offering to people. I think we, I think, I think with that first blush of faith, um, or that first step. There's also a lot of like temptation that comes in, mm. and a lot of doubt and a lot of fear and a lot of like you're gonna have a thousand reasons run through your head why you should not be there mm-hmm. and why you should not grow close to those people because they're all hypocrites or they're all bad people or whatever it is, and that that you know a lot of stuff is false or whatever it is that's a bunch of i don't know I mean the world isn't perfect, and there's there's I mean, there's there's there are actual forces trying trying to keep us from God, mm-hmm. and um, part of this fight is uh, of Lent is going into the desert with Jesus where he was tempted, go into the temptation and then fight, and you have to fight against a, a lot of that stuff because the truth is that the church is this is this heart is this is this place of family and community and is. Uh, is good for us, mm-hmm. you know, and really looking out for us, you know. But there's all kinds of fears that we have. That's just real. People run into that stuff. But you, you have to fight a little bit and then ask God for the grace to move forward. Okay, so uh, first image is the radio. Second image is falling in love mm. or being in love. The third image is um, the tree planted by running waters. Mm. Our friend Father Evan Coop preached this morning, yeah. and the first uh, first psalm on the first day of of Lent or second day of Lent, I guess, um, is the very first psalm of the Psalter um, for the Mass. We get uh, blessed is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. He will be like a tree planted by a stream of of living water, of rushing water, who uh, holds strong and grows during the the dry seasons, the cold seasons, the uh, the springtime, and and uh, any 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 of the uh, any of the woes that can come through life. Here is the image of a strong, strong tree. You got the wind, the storm, you got the drought. Everything that comes, that tree is that tree is going to be strong next to the stream. Can you give us the Matthew Kelly uh, imitation that he did this morning? No. <laughs> I don't do Australian. Oh, I don't gosh. do accents, actually. I, that's what true. You don't do accents. Yeah. A tree with strong roots can weather any storm. Can weather any storm. <laughs> he said good. that during the homily. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And he also said that the, during seasons of dryness, the roots go deep. So yeah. Sometimes if you're, if you're going through desolation in prayer, which we all do, and it feels loveless it doesn't feel like exciting and the affect is just kind of like dry uh sometimes that's when you're you're really the roots of your um interior life and the depths of charity are really going are going deeper yeah and then they'll be able to weather any storm weather any storm there you go (laughs) okay i sat with an australian tonight for dinner i still don't do accents okay so this one is this image is for either for the Christian who has had ups and downs with faith, like all of us, mm-hmm. and uh, and also for the newbie who has is trying to make the steps toward God, 
and has come to Ash Wednesday and then wants to set out on a good Lent, to know that perseverance is the great Christian virtue, Mm. that there will be times when you feel closer to God than others. There will be times when your faith feels like being in love and you feel more confident in that than anything else in the world. And there will be times when you don't. And um, the best thing you can do, stay close to the living water. Stay close to the Word of God. Stay close to the sacraments. Stay close to Jesus where he can be tangibly found. Very nice. Yeah? That's the, and that's the nice thing about the Blessed Sacrament, kind of coming back to the last podcast, why we love it and why we, mm-hmm. we want to live by it and we want to we wanna center our lives around it because there is that tangible, concrete presence of the tree I was as you were talking. I was thinking about San Clemente here in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that one of your favorite mosaics? The mosaic, the yeah, old yeah, one, yeah, but yeah. it's the tree, a tree of life. The cross turns into this tree of life. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was it. also thinking about w- Father Brady gave a talk one time. We were talking about our own consecration as priests, um, and he was talking about that psalm. I think it was Wagner or somebody, but it stuck with me because it's like we have to live in proximity to our vocation uh, and to our consecration, baptismal primarily. Um, that's the waters, you know. And so if you get too disconnected from that, you know, we didn't give ourselves faith. We didn't make ourselves faithful. We're not making, mm-hmm. we don't make love of God. And you can't just make more when you feel like it. Mm-hmm. You received it. You received it. And you received it through the church. And uh, so we have to stay near the church. Right? She's our mother, but she's also, it can, it's, the, it's the flowing waters that kind of continue to refresh us and even when you feel like the tree is dying and you're, you know, you stay near the, stay near the waters. So I like the image. Beautiful. Yeah. The first Psalm. So it defines the whole, you know, the Psalms go through like the whole spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, it's the, it's listed first for a reason because it gives you the image. That's kind of like the center. Just stay faithful, stay faithful, stay there, stay in it. And uh, let the Lord work on you in um, good times and in hard times, in the wind, in the drought, in the, you know, in all of these different uh, possibilities of life, in the storms. Um, stay close to God, and uh, you'll be strong. You'll keep growing too. That's the other thing about the tree that I like this this image of the tree. The tree doesn't make itself grow. The tree just grows. Mm-hmm. If you stay close, you grow. That's very like. I don't know that I, I find that to be very Catholic. Our idea of sanctifying grace is if you stay in grace, you're growing. Mm-hmm. You're not doing something, you're not making yourself into something, but you're growing. And mm-hmm. God is going to make you, your soul grow into that kind of sanctity that it's it's made for. Beautiful. Yeah. I like there it. you go. I like Three it. images for faith. Three images for faith. Growth in Lent. Yeah. If I think if I was. Uh, if I was myself back and I was open in a moment of random openness, I heard this, I think it'd be very encouraging because it's, uh, you know, it, it, this is one of those things where it's like faith does not have to be the, the, this kind of calculus over a million propositions. And do I really believe all this different? It's just, it's about falling in love. Like you're saying hmm. the radio, the radio that's new. I've never heard that. That's cool. And then make it, Lent is about like giving stuff up. You know, we always talk about giving stuff mm-hmm. up. That's a very Catholic thing for for Lent. Um, give up the distractions that keep you from actually pondering the possibility of the reality of uh, God 
beyond, like mm. the invisible world. So we we live in the, in the immediacy of a lot of tangible things right in front of us, like uh, the visible stuff, you know, um, television, entertainment, media, chocolate, uh, meats. Uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of things that people give up for. Less meats for here Lent. in Italy. Cussing. Yeah. I don't know how cussing really applies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's a lot of like comforts that we, we live with and uh, like immediate satisfactions that um, remind us, and in a bad way, I think, that um, truth is immediate and yeah. it's, it's visible and it's now and it's here and it's I, there's nothing greater or beyond or worth, worth giving this stuff up for. So I think during Lent, part of it is just like we're cutting back um, in trust that there's there's something more, there's something out there, and I'm not going to be satisfied by a, kind of the immediacy of things. I mean, I like I'm giving up media um, to a certain extent. I don't know exactly how that looks like yet, but um, like TV, movie stuff, I love that stuff, but mm-hmm. I I got to give it up because I use it as a drug, you know. Like if I'm feeling kind of lethargic and I need to you know, rally myself. I'll watch some tough movie, action stuff, die hard, man Neat. movies. Remember Peter O'Donnell in the seminary, Peter O'Donnell and I used to go to man movie before oh, yeah. a semester of studies because we'd just be reading books and we were... Peter O'Donnell. But it was like, <laughs> that's not real life. Right, right, right. We're watching a movie and we're right. feeling cool about ourselves, yeah. you know? Or I was feeling just like kind of sad and depressed and I took the the flight back from... Uh, back from Denver to Rome, and I didn't know what to do, and I watched this uh, Finding Dory. Mm-hmm. Do you know the animated film, Finding Dory? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but yeah. it's. A, I mean, it's a silly children's movie, comedy, and, well, one of the best things about it was uh, there was a loon. Ah, there you go. There was a there was a crazy loon. Actually, it was one of the stranger <laughs> characters I've ever seen. It was like a really scrappy-looking neurotic little loon named Becky, Ah, um, who was kind of a tragic hero because it was really dumb loon, but kind of saved the day in in some way. Anyway, these movies, (laughs) they serve to just like lift your spirits. That's true. That's good. That's there. But if I'm always like drugging myself with the next thing, if I need to be, if I'm, if I'm sad, I need to laugh. I'm going to, you know, plug it in and then, just get that fix. Or if I'm feeling weak and I need to get strong, then I'm going to watch this man movie or whatever. Um, then I don't live with like a trust or a, a wonder about how either like a hope that I can actually be, uh, be different than I am, you know, like I'm living in this condition and I need to draw myself out. Some, something else needs to draw me out. Um, and you also just kind of get boxed in with all the imagery and mm-hmm. the and uh, the input that you don't open your eyes to seeing other things, you know, seeing the world for what it is, and um, I don't know something greater. Marveling at these things, I think a lot of people don't ever even ask the questions anymore of what's beyond, you know, what's the invisible, because we're just living so immediately, you know. Yeah, we have to rehabilitate the imagination. I think that's mm. the sacramental imagination of the Catholics. So that means 
uh, sacrament is a you know visible sign of invisible realities, and so to imagine your whole, to redevelop the whole imagination. That's why kids uh, love to hear stories. They love stories we read them because their imagination is so alive. And then we get older, and then we get saturated with uh, technology and media, and just being stimulated. We're so overstimulated that we lose that sense of wonder and just that desire to say. And I, I just reading this Kristen Lavern's daughter. It's like, what would life have been like that in a pre-industrial society? When you could look at the, you see the northern lights, and you lived um, rural, and when everybody lived in a world yeah. world where you, you were so used to silence, um, but it it did something, something changed in us, so we got to really recover. Well, that. and it's good so, once you get that prime pump, uh, that that pump primed, then your mind starts going, you know. Yeah. Like the book helps you to, mm-hmm. to make the leap of just using your imagination. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Recover faith. We Lent. cover faith. Yes. And isn't that what Lent's about, right? It's not about giving up chocolate. It's about growing in faith, like mm-hmm. deepening your love, uh, falling deeper in love with God every day. That's that's what it's all about. So somebody quoted that, um, a Rupe quote about falling in love and making that the center of everything. All the Jesuit Ooh, I like uh, people who are listening, you all know yeah, this you know famous, like famous that. quote. But uh, yeah, but he's got it. It's just all about falling more deeply in love every day. So well done. Okay. God bless you all. God bless you all. Do you have any shout-outs, Michael? I'll shout-out uh, Brian Strasberger, one of my uh, Jesuit... Uh, what, I, he's not a novice. What is he? He's in formation. I don't know what... You call them seminarians. Mm, I don't know. They have a really long formation period. The Jesuit scholastics. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where you're at in the process, but anyway, Brian. Whatever your uh, title is. What's yeah. up, man? Didn't you have a mutual friend with Patrick J. Carter you wanted to talk about? Emily Dufour. Dufour. Oh, Emily. Yeah, yeah of Emily. course. Your old no. friend, Emily. Oh, Emily. Yeah, of course. You know, we used to ride the, the school bus, you know, together. and Right. Back in elementary school. Right. Yeah, this, yeah Emily. What, yeah, what else? I mean, oh, shout out, Emily. Ma- Look. Didn't you guys play you trombone that? together? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Did we... Every day, yeah. <laughs> we would throw we would throw fruit snacks. You know those little gummy fruit snacks with the little. They were in like a kind of a strawberry shape or oh, a yeah, grape yeah. shape, and we would just throw them across the bus. I'd say, "Hey, Emily," and then she she'd open her mouth. I'd throw that thing over the bus, and then she'd throw one back over on the other side of the bus. It's an amazing story. It was great. You we would quote. I mean, and we would grow old together. We, I mean, we were we were quoting uh, Dumb and Dumber lines to each other. This is almost scary. How good you are at. Lying, you don't know Emily. <laughs> Emily's great. No, you shout don't. out Emily. You don't know Emily. So we are talking Patrick. Patrick J. Carter already hates us. All right. So now you've made it hate anymore. Patrick said, "Will you give a shout out to my friend Emily?" And, and we and Mike said, "Well, we don't do shout outs for people." So he was going to fake it like he knew Emily. So trombone. Emily, we're still cool. You're still I hope cool. We're still it, cool. She'll like God it, bless hopefully. you. Hopefully. Okay. Shout outs. Um, we have some St. Paul companion brothers who listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. And uh, Luke Marquardt. Yeah, you know, Luke was watching. Uh, Nate Laliberte. And uh, I got a real nice email from Mark Paviglio. Um, do you think that's a Czech name? Paviglio? Do I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Luke wanted to be on the show, so uh, I apologize, Luke. He maybe was, Brian Park, sorry. They came through. I missed him. I was sick. But I'm, I was just very honored that they listened, because I don't think any of the companions in Denver listen. I know. Shame. Except for... Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Lisboa probably does. It's but, true. Um, the guys in Minnesota but thank are you. Cool. Guys in Minnesota are cool and smarter and holier than us, and they listen to this. So thank you for listening, guys. Joe Zambone, shout out to the Canadian guitarist who bought... You know how hard it is to get a loon clock in the United States? Really? You have to go to Canada. So he shipped one down to it's Texas like every, to every Paul every house Flores. in Canada has a loon clock? Every house in Canada has a loon clock. And then... Lastly is a housekeeping item, if I can do that. This is lame. It's not a shout-out, but we love getting care packages in Rome. We also hate getting care packages in Rome. So if you send us something and you write, like, Father John and Father Mike, like somebody did recently, the Italians don't know what that means. So it just said Father John, Father Mike, and our address. So they see that as an opportunity to not do work and to just lose the package. So we're trying to hunt these things down, but it takes, like, hours and days off our life. So... Thank you for thinking of us. We love it. We're very grateful for it. Please send us stuff. It's great. But if we could just have you send it to Goebbels Residence at St. Joan of Arc, and then he'll have it shipped over, because we have people coming over all the time, and then we can guarantee that it'll actually arrive. So I'm sorry to say that. That's true. What happens just, is it ends up in some warehouse way yeah. out in some suburb, and then it takes about six months of bureaucracy to finally get something. So St. Joan of Arc Catholic Church in Arvada, Colorado. Yeah, I don't know the address, but uh, that would be a wonderful place to uh, uh, yeah, that's send Father anything. Yeah. Celestial Seasonings teas right now while we're in Lent would be uh, always appreciated. But we're, we're just very... Uh, sleepy time. Sleepy time tea. That's, my, that's yeah, my jam. That's, that's the go. And uh, so thank you for people who reach out to us. We love hearing from you. And we kind of feel like this is a huge network of friends kind of you know even though we don't know except you and emily dofer go way back to trombone lessons together emily yeah (laughs) emily's awesome i know you and emily so it's crazy and you just never know who you grew up with (laughs) when you listen to the podcast so emily patrick everybody who listens thank you that's it god bless you have a great lend folks catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening have a good uh finish to lent and we'll see you in holy weekend